Faith is such a strange concept to me. Not every version of faith, mind you. I understand having faith in a person, in a process, in a certain belief of how the world works. No, what I can't wrap my head around is having faith in a God. Sure, they're powerful, they grant blessings, and sometimes they deign to hear your prayers. But really, why do you devote your lives, sacrifice your very souls to beings you have never met, and who you wouldn't invite to dinner if you did? Nah. Because while you're busy on praying and offering sacrifices, they're off on nice landing, getting drunk, or arguing over a game of cards. The gods aren't playing dice with the universe. They're playing dice because they can't imagine anything better. three trials are overcome, the god player draws a parable card from the deck and uses it to explain the trials as an allegory for the god's nature and a core tenet of the follower's faith. Place it in the bottom row of the church, which is a column I'm going to build alongside the mountain as I begin to build their religion. All right. So this card is Leviathan. Scale beyond reference, ambition outside of reason, servant to nothing, or mindless hunger, a tireless machine, Crude oil burning in seawater. <sighs> Let me see if I can phrase this as a good parable. Trust no law you did not write yourself. Pick any lock you did not build yourself. Hmm. I like it. <laughs> sort of in keeping with the idea that for these characters, so far nothing is sacred. Mm -hmm. Aside from what is sacred. Yes, you are beholden to nothing other than yourself. Or, you are beholden to nothing other than yourself and me. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so let's see. No traditions, uh, no, no lakes or obstacles, and no honor guards. Yeah. Because, yeah, screw the rules of magic. Screw weird lakes that shouldn't be opened. Um, <laughs> uh, and screw the dead. And screw... Right, screw apparent rewards <laughs> and seek the true reward. Okay, I like where yeah. this is going. Uh, so now the tribulations. Yes. Follower player chooses the tribulation card, the god player flips it, and builds on the cards played below it to describe the fallout of the trials, the consequences of the choices writ large. And then to endure tribulations, the follower player must spend a blessing or sacrifice a follower. Describe how it happens and place the card over the two trials and other the tribulation to mark the path up the mountain. And you can also choose to turn back, which I should probably, we should probably be explicit about at this point. Yeah. Turn back. 
Perhaps the cost is too great. The faith of the follower fails, and they abandon the quest. To turn back, choose your follower's route down the mountain. As they descend, the god player reads inverse text of each card along the path and describes the god's wrath in the traitorous heretic's wake. If a follower card was sacrificed, the follower's remains warp and scar the mountain path with a warning to future pilgrims. If a blessing was spent, it curdles into a curse, uh, corrupting any follower connected to its path regardless of their loyalty. But no matter what, the retreating followers survive. Each follower takes a parable card from the church and describes how they twist the god's words to block a curse of their choosing. Mm. And once you reach the base of the mountain, they disappear beyond the god's reach. For as long as the god is captive, the follower player can offer rumors of their fate or refuse the god the satisfaction of knowing. Well, that would be a very interesting story to tell. Yep. So I that's don't... an option you will have right. from this point forward. You had, you had at the start of the game, but... It only becomes interesting about now. Right. <laughs> um, okay. So. The left or right tribulation. And this is faced by the whole party. Um, this is faced at least by the three followers whose path would lead to that. Okay, gotcha. So the left tribulation would be faced by Simon, Vayu, and Ibar. And the right one would be faced by Vayu, Ibar, and Bilal. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Let's go with the leftmost one yet. Our first. <laughs> okay, the grave. A devastating loss, a bone healed wrong. Or, closure gained, last word spoken, end of an era. Okay. So, I think far below, having traveled even further beneath, the two paths reunite. I think Simon and Vayu walk through, let's see, instead of a mausoleum, a great mm -hmm. dance hall but, <laughs> and saw like a beautiful ball going on, but we're smart enough to just kind of avoid that. Yeah. And now all four of them are sitting and resting, taking part in their rations. The light is even brighter here and they can start to feel magic around themselves. Even like Simon, who's never used magic before, can still feel it forcing right. through his bones. And as everyone is imbued with magic, they also begin to feel themselves facing um, the here in their ears, a listing of crimes of murdering the honor guard, of defiling the dead, and of mm -hmm. claiming magic that is not their own. They are in violation of the ancient accords, and they are to be punished at once. There is the sound of footsteps far above, hundreds of footsteps. The honor guard is coming to do justice. All right, so... I, it's very cool, in fact, to me that the Honor Guard actually guards this path. Well, they guard all the cool magical stuff, so they're probably going to guard the path to the source of all magic. Right, but they respond very quickly on this path, <laughs> which I think is cool and sort of reflects the, uh, the stakes here yeah. and the scale here. Um, hmm... Yeah, and the rigidity fits with a bone healed wrong, and you're definitely facing a potential devastating loss. Yes. Well, I don't have artifacts. You have one more, but I guess I... that's sitting with Bilal. Yeah, and I sort of don't want to use it. Um, hmm. So, again, Bilal is perhaps... I'm trying to figure out whose sacrifice makes the most sense here. And unfortunately, I guess it would be Bilal's. 
But, and we've sort of established, okay, we've sort of established that Ibar can't die. Mm-hmm. Or has a very, would have a very difficult time dying. Um, yeah. Ibar is shaped and misshaped by encounters with death, uh, plagues and curses, and now at this point, mortal wounds as well. And, let's see. Ibar was always a limited magic user. Um, so he isn't down here. Right, or he isn't or he is. He isn't, because everyone's graced by Arvine's light here. Right, okay. And in this light, no one can... Gotcha. That makes sense. Well, okay. Uh, so Ibar, though, at this point, with the blessings and the curses he's endured, can't really die in the traditional sense. So the closest thing uh, to a grave for him at this point, um, well, he, he, he walks, he, he, he carries his grave with him, but <laughs> the second closest thing to a grave that he could experience uh, would be to be somehow trapped in some sort of situation uh, where he was continually dealt mortal wounds. Uh, such a situation uh, would be presented to anyone who uh, tried to combat several hosts of the Honor Guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Ibar can. <laughs> Ibar, yeah. Ibar, through uh, the eldritch energies that his being is composed of, um, through the, the curses and plagues that he's hidden and locked away, uh, through his sheer supernatural resilience uh can can combat foes such as the honor guard and can take devastating blows and get back up so ibar's grave uh becomes a nigh unending battle with several hosts with several full hosts of the honor guard uh so so he he how does he do battle with them how does he hold them back uh so as he let's see as he as they are coming down the staircase are they coming down or up um they're going uh i think they're coming down okay so they're coming down after them ibar motions his companions forward um and slowly takes painful steps back up the staircase to meet them um and well as he meets them out of sight from his companions but from what they feel they feel the latent magical energies shift and corrupt and they fe and they hear they hear a sound that very few people ever live to hear which is the screams of honor guard um and they hear spears meeting home um and they they shudder to think of the fate of their companion uh but the energies don't shift and they grow more point uh they grow more powerful so this this dark um this this plague of darkness uh only seems to grow more powerful um with every with every uh whimper and scream of pain from Ibar. So stealing themselves against what they've only 
manage to overhear. <laughs> Simon, Vayu, and Bilal continue forward. Okay, the second tribulation. Yes. <laughs> Bandit. Highwayman, robber baron, wealth taken by fear and force, or gold-hearted thief, lover of justice, defiler of law. Um, as these three get closer and closer to Arvine, um, Simon's blade that they thought was no longer cursed rejuvenates, overwhelmed with magical power, and it um, floats away from him. Like, he tries to hold onto it, but it moves like he's not even there. Kind of has a ghostly form. Mm-hmm. And it just begins to radiate um, with kind of a gross purplish light. And grape jelly and mustard would not have expected that. No, it turns out that Simon was actually Mace Windu. Right. <laughs> the whole time. And the light burns, and they can also see that more and more energy from Arvine is being pulled into the sword. Which just seems like something really, really bad is about to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, this sword is stealing that energy and also becoming more and more dangerous by the second. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, what worked before to depower this sword? Using it to kill some honor guard? Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, Simon comes to this realization first. Uh, and he, uh, he steals himself, and he throws himself upon the blade, which it deals a mortal wound to end all mortal wounds. Uh, Bilal, their physician, looks upon his sundered remains and uh, has just no frame of reference, has no idea. It's like, this is, he's, he's not only dead, he could not be, uh, like, <laughs> he's dead, but he's desiccated. <laughs> he's not <laughs> desiccated, but he is sundered. And a necromancer would have no use for his left toe. <laughs> but <laughs> Bilal is in possession of a thread that can heal any wound and stitch any laceration. And this is any laceration. This is the laceration to end all lacerations. Uh, so working quickly, uh, Bilal weaves the thread uh, through Simon's wound, uh, and as this is done, um, Bilal, Bilal works a miracle that they will never surpass, uh, and they're proud of it. They rebind his soul to his form, and they rebind his form to his form. Uh, so with with this done, Thea uh, retrieves the now, let's see, the now depowered sword from the floor um, in one talon and uh, with a mighty flap of her wings uh, pulls herself back, throws it behind her and allows it to shatter on the wall behind. Hmm. Okay. Both tribulations have been surpassed. A second parable. Again, I will use the tribulations as an allegory for the god's nature and another core tenet of the god followers' faith. So this will be the next tier of our church. And this card is... Merchant. Bureaucratic, bottleneck, factory boss, the company store. Or, fair trade, a need filled, a broker of favors. Hmm. 
And I guess I'll point out that I kind of killed two characters, but I also totally didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one's technically dead yet. Yeah, I mean, Simon was dead, and uh, Ibar, Ibar is... <laughs> I got better. <laughs> and Ibar is not dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he would be. Yeah. Ivar's kind of worse than death now. Right. Well, and here's the thing. It's like, he can barely combat Honor Guard, but the Honor Guard, basically, yeah, like, they they aren't fighting through him anytime soon is the idea. Like, he's not fighting through them anytime soon, but the opposite is also true. Yes. It's like, he started a 100-year battle. He's going to be at this forever. (laughs) Nothing is given for free. Nothing is taken for free. Uh, <laughs> you must be willing to pay any price. I like it. I really like it. <laughs> Man, Conflagrio is ruthless. I really like it, though. <laughs> the merchant is, yeah. Man, if if, if Conflagrio is free, there's going to be some consequences. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But oh, at the man. same time, I didn't want to be the, the trying to figure out how how this god that wants to be free is not freed okay so we have our second parable the lock the prize at last the followers have reached the gate to find their prize behind a lock one final price to pay the god player uses the last card in their hand to describe a symbol of their faith and places it on top of the church as its steeple this is the last and most limited message you can give to your followers until the lock is broken um offer a simple image Wait, did we not lock the mountain? Um, sorry. Uh, it's the last card in your hand to describe a symbol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that isn't also the lock, right? Hmm, I think... Oh, maybe not. I don't know where the lock comes from. Let's see. I don't know if the lock is a card. I think the lock is just a lock. It is a card. Because then the when you make your final choice... Right. Well, I think I think the lock isn't described by a card. Uh, the card describes how to break the lock. No, but the god player flips the lock card. That's right here. Oh, wait. Uh, I have the god player uses the last card in their hand to describe the symbol of their faith, places it on top of the church as the sepulchre. This is the last most limited. I don't have... Flips the lock card, yeah, and describe what it was. Um... Oh, yeah. I think I I think it works as both. Okay. It is a symbol that is a lock you have to break, and then no, but because the lock card it goes face down. Okay. So do we want to pull a lock card? Yeah, I think how. Oh, looking at the how the mountain's set up now. Yeah, there should be a lock card beneath the prize. Yeah. Okay, that makes more sense. Cool. So let's see. My so the options are claim the prize and break the lock only seeing its nature after it was shattered, or discover the lock's true nature and lose the prize. Oh wait, but first I need the final parable. Right. So, I'm going to use the last card in my hand to describe a symbol of the faith, and place it on top of the church as its steeple. This is the last and most limited message you can give to your followers until the lock is broken. Offer a simple image. Hmm. And my card is... The Lovers. Okay, so I think as you finally reach the point where you are like standing at the edge of a chasm beneath of which is Arvine. Mm -hmm. You see this chasm and you see 
also the night sky in this chasm, and you see the sun kind of interposed on top of Arvine. The sun's light is kind of, you know, yellowy, whereas Arvine's mm -hmm. light is more kind of blue-white, you know, like more like a white dwarf color, yeah. you know? And you see them, like, two in one, the, the same, sitting in the night sky, beautiful. Mm -hmm. All right. So... And now it says the follower player is on their own. Yep. You face a lock. And I think that lock is probably getting into Arvine. Yeah. Or... Wait, wait. Are there physical chains here around Arvine? Hmm. Or is it all just metaphysical? I mean, they could be metaphysical chains that we perceive that our party would perceive as real chains. Or that would look like chains. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're actual chains, though. Okay. So so is the, my problem how to scale the chasm or how to open Arvine? They might be one and the same. Yes, um, because you don't really know the lock's true nature. Right. Break the lock, spend a blessing or sacrifice a follower, or turn back. Never fear, the god chosen prepared these followers precisely for this moment. Right. Whatever card you play is guaranteed to break the lock. The real problem is that the prize conceals the lock's true nature. So what are your choices? Let's see. So I have three followers left. Hmm. Oh, you should talk about what your choices are after you sacrifice that follower first. Oh, yeah, my choices. Claim the prize and break the lock, only seeing its nature after it's shattered. Uh, decide which follower takes the prize. The god player flips the lock card and describes what it was, how it kept them at bay, and how it has been irrevocably ruined. It's too late to turn back. What's done can't be undone. So. <laughs> or. Right. Or uh, discover the lock's true nature and lose the prize. Flip the lock card face up and the prize card face down and describe what you find. The god can help describe the lock, but cannot explain it, excuse, or justify why it kept them in bay until the lock is opened. And either option liberates the god, right? Um. On option number two, you could still choose to turn back afterward, or you could liberate the god. Right. Let's see. So I have a hunch or two about what the nature of the of the lock is. Mm -hmm. I have a hunch now <laughs> that the lock is... I feel like in smashing the lock, we'll, we might destroy the sun. And, uh, well, I'm not necessarily averse to this. I'm not sure if that's the path we want to take. Yeah. Hey, metagame-wise, we do know the world still exists and is okay sometime in the future. Right, which is what I'm trying to reconcile with. It's like, so how... Yeah, what is the sun? Uh, but no, okay, so as far as the prize goes... Um, who wanted the prize anyway? Ibar wanted the prize. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ibar... Well, everyone wanted the prize. Everyone wanted the prize, but Ibar perhaps wanted it the most, and Thea wanted it the most, because they had, they had goals for mm -hmm. the prize. Uh, Simon only really... He wants the prize, but what he... He really doesn't know why or how. And Bilal wants the power that the prize could confer upon them uh, to heal 
But the only... Uh, but Simon... Simon is driven by forces he can't comprehend, uh, so he's not greedy. Mm-hmm. Um, Ibar was. He's going to be busy for the next 100 to 200 years. Uh, <laughs> Bilal uh, wanted the prize for altruistic reasons, um, and Bilal perhaps has the most to atone for. Um, so Bilal would be happy without the prize. Thea is trying to mend a nation. So Thea really wants this prize. And she believes now, uh, over the course of this journey, that she can trust her companions. Uh, She believes uh, that Bilal... (laughs) Well, just reading from the card, she has grown... Fond and trustworthy of Bilal's tender heart and steady hand, and more importantly, Bilal's strong stomach. Uh, And she's also uh, come to quietly reflect on the power of Simon's faith, uh, even where his knowledge is lacking. Uh, So in trusting the prize, uh, so she decides... uh, she confers with her companions, and uh, she she promises uh, to break this final lock, to overcome this final obstacle, uh, if Bilal will claim the prize, and use it to mend her country, uh, to deal with the literal flood which has destroyed uh, countless cities of the Bird Nation, and the figurative flood of refugees that has left on account of it. So, uh, taking wing above... What's that called again? Arvine. A-R-V-I-N-E. So, taking wing above Arvine, uh, uh, Thea begins to glow counterpoint to the radiance (laughs) of the... Uh, son of magic. Um, so while no spell of hers would work here, while no ancient magic of hers would work here, uh, there is perhaps one thing that might work, she stands to reason. So, Thea is in fact a synthite, and at the core of her being is an old magic. In fact, there's a small piece of Amalgi that lives in her. Yes. Amalgi lives in all of the synthites. That is a thing that happened. Also, Amalgi is the god that placed Arvine in the middle of the world. Right. So uh, it's her, basically, uh, it's her most closely guarded secret, and her last recourse is to sacrifice herself, to undo herself and her form, and to release this piece of Amalgi, uh, and that this may break the chain's binding uh, Conflagrio within Arvine. Okay. Uh, so in a brilliant flash of light, uh, the chains that Bilal and Simon perceive to be binding the exterior of Arvine, uh, shatter. So, you are choosing to claim the prize and shatter the lock. Yes. The lock was... The lock was famine. Blighted soil, fallow fields... Poisoned rivers. Oh no, what if I done? <laughs> An off-season reliance on reserves. 
I know. What have I done? (laughs) What happens? What was the lock that was broken? What it was, how it kept them at bay, and how it's been been irrevocably ruined. It was the sun, wasn't it? The sun is not destroyed, per se, but when releasing the binding magics here, Conflagrio at last return is able to return to their unbound form the sun in all its glory which is mm. so much hotter than it ever used to be and so what you have just done is brought a century of sunlight the time that mm-hmm. conflagria will use to regain their full powers and recenter themselves in the sun before maybe moving on to a different form and a century of sunlight is going to be disastrous. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no more floods. Or oceans. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, I Simon mean... and Bilal can feel the blast of heat from here. From both mm-hmm. suns. But you do claim the prize. Did claim the prize. The prize being, of course... Uh... Sorry, it's hiding. Yep. Yep, the prize was overgrowth, a resurgence of life, uh, and an interloping opportunist invader yeah. that would have been um, ultimately Thea. Yeah, decide which person claims the prize. So, Bilal, true to his word and their word, <laughs> my apologies, uh, and their ethics, uh, claims the prize uh, and proceeds with their vow. Um, to rejuvenate the kingdom of the birds. So despite a century of scorching sunlight, um, Bilal lives uh, in a place of secret secret reverence, much as Thea once did, um, building this country into uh, the lush garden it had been before the flood and would continue to be despite a century of scorching heat. Okay, so... The god liberated. The god player draws a card from the deck and uses it to describe in bombastic detail the explosion of power that returns to you as you flee the prison. Hold the card high. This is your greatest parable, the undeniable miracle that the entire world series sees in the sky in the sky above your church's steeple, cementing your divine authority. So let me draw a card. Scholar, scrivener, documentarian, insatiably critical and curious. Or um Overwhelmed and underpaid, dispassionate and sleep deprived. <laughs> hmm. Yes, I am, and you. Uh I think no one immediately sees the change. The, like the demigods know what has happened. The other gods know what has happened, but people down on the world unknown generally don't know until Simon returns. Simon is the greatest priest of Conflagrio. Like, he's not necessarily happy about the century of sunlight that is to come, if not longer, but he tells of this journey all the same, and as his words speak, they're amplified by Conflagrio. They are, they are filled with divine meaning and righteousness, and he, because of that, the tale soon becomes a tale of freedom and a tale of explosive power and joy and all the negativity that might be in Simon's telling soon, soon leaves as it goes from person to person to person. And with this explosion of joy, has magic re-entered the world um, in a more meaningful way? No. 
Okay. Not really. Not yet. Arvine still burns at the core of the world. Uh, I imagine Conflagrio is kind of bitter. And yeah. also, magic as a source, without the words and means to control it, mm-hmm. is not super useful, except for to, you know, synthites and the such. But yeah. without the breath, the magical language that is yet to be rediscovered, but will be, because we've already played that game. Yep. <laughs> Take all of the church's card into your, cards into your hand, regaining your strength. Then read the spread of cards upside down as you descend the mountain. Interpret the inverse text of each card as the effects of your followers' best efforts, and choose which card at each tier to canonize by playing a card from your hand. Turn the broken lock into a crown, the two tribulations into triumphs, the three trials into feasts. Well, use your remaining cards to pass judgment on your followers, the broken saints, the loyal apostles, and the traitorous heretics, as you see fit, unbound, you, your might brings forth a new era. Okay, so. And just to clarify in retrospect, I could have turned back individual Um, that's unclear in how the okay. rules are written. I think it means that everyone turns back at once, but also, you know, Bindle is an interpretive game. You can yeah. interpret the rules how you want. Yep. So let me just grab these cards, and then I'm going to flip the whole mountain upside down. <laughs> I cannot wait. Well, our mountain was already more of an inverse staircase anyway. Mm-hmm. So you're really flipping it right side up. Yeah, so now this is the glorious ascent. Right. Uh we should have played it We should have played it descending. That would have been fun. Yeah, I didn't think to do that, but that would have been fun. Because this is my first time playing this variant too. No worries. Okay. So Okay, so I'm just going to read these cards going up. So my crown is famine, which is already bad. Um, (laughs) (laughs) With flood as the crown, because I think we enter a season of great, like, the the weather is very strange with the sun never going away. So there's lots of rainfall. um, And it turns out that it is very good that there's someone in the world who can help deal with disasters and maybe prevent them or at least help heal the harm because without Bilal out there using this new power the the damage to the people would be just unmeasurable dr planet but conflagrio doesn't care conflagrio (laughs) yeah is just overjoyed to be returned to the sun and those followers of conflagrio the the followers of ibear and the followers of uh Shoot, who else was actually a worshiper? I guess that cult was like the main. Well, that was the. I mean, that was the main cult we talked about, mm-hmm. but um, I imagine there were other more prominent cults, mm-hmm. more popular cults. But and and you've established that Simon is leading now a, um, the new church. Mm-hmm. And let's see, I will, and also crowned with flood. Yeah, and we have famine because yeah, that's also messing with food. The other side of famine is very similar. And I will um, canonize this with, um, I think, the lovers. Because the sun and Arvine were always the lovers. And mm-hmm. this is the season of the sun. And it is a season where, even though people are facing all this terrible hardship, there's still a sense of joy in the air, which is sometimes kind of sick, almost. That people yeah. are still like, enjoying themselves, but also is a comfort all the same. Like, even in horrible, horrible times, people still find love, and that's still, you know, something worth celebrating. 
Yeah. Our next level, we have um, Bandit and the Crave. Let's see. This side of Band- Bandit is Gold-Hearted Thief, Lover of Justice, Defiler of Law. The Grave is Closures Gained, Last Word Spoken, The End of an Era. Yeah, I think this is the end of an era of relative peace. And this is the beginning of more turbulent times in the world below. Um, yeah, we see Arachne and Plague there as well. So, yes, so there are plagues of bandits. There are plagues of mercenaries. Um, again, it is good that there are a couple of people out there still doing good in the world who have been empowered to do so, because this is a much less stable period, period we now enter. Right. Of history. Um, Arachne, <laughs> Quiet Weaver, Pride of the Town, Odd Gossip, Outshone by Marvelous Deed, because I think this is also an era of heroes. Because, like it or not, heroes come about from times of strife. And tales mm-hmm. of heroism come about from times of hardship. And I will canonize this with um, the card um, Scholar, because many of these tales are immortalized as like the greatest tales of heroism throughout the whole history of the world unknown. Everyone knows the tales of Blal the Healer going out and rescuing people. Um, I like that. Scholar is more meaning of s- stories. Those are those are our triumphs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next, we have a raised glass, a new bond forged in the remembrance of those who have been lost. Polaris, the North Star, a lighthouse, words to live by, and Prince of Fate, deposed and exiled, titles revoked, respect rescinded. So... I think that there is a bright spot to this instability, which is that in times of peace often comes with complacency, and many people are no longer complacent to live in the world as is. They see that the world is changing and changing for the worse, so it's their job to make it better. See, we also have in this layer a quiet knife, a threat unspoken, a debt collected, bridge, a choke point, a shortcut, rope and wood haphazardly lashed, and darkness shadows cast on the cave wall. So, you know, again, there's lots of people who use this as an excuse to go and do bad things for profit, you know, but there are also those who will go out and work to save the world. This is an era of change. Visionaries, yeah. New ideas. Like, before there were maybe like, you know, relatively simple civilizations, but now people are like, wait, we could build cities. Wait, we could build communes. Wait, why why should we all rely on one leadership? Why not try to do something democratic or something anarchic? Mm-hmm. Or why not try out, you know, other systems of governance? So I think this is an era of merchants too, of new ideas being spread and sold and people traveling more than they ever used to. Like, I want to be clear, all in all, this is bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, a lot of people died, and a lot of people are a lot less happy than they otherwise would be. Right. And yet, this is also a catalyst for change. Right. I think especially to Conflagrio, yeah, this is great, because now this world is becoming the new world that they kind of wanted to make anyway. Um, And what is it? So I think you're, uh, to a good degree, describing... It, both the silver lining, but the renaissance that comes from this period of hardship. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the broad scheme of history, this is going to be a big debate between historians on whether on whether uh, Bayuthera 
like massively change the world for the better or for the worse, or whether this was inevitable. Mm -hmm. um, uh, which I think for me, I don't know, for me points to Prince of Fate. Yeah. And then lastly, the followers. We have Goose Down for Simon, who's still left. Oh yeah, I needed to memorialize uh, Vayu and uh, Ibear. Um, I think that's last, though, so you're good. Is it? Read the cards upside down as you descend the mountain. Interpret the inverse text of the cards as the effect of your followers' best efforts. Choose which cards it's each tier to canonize by playing a card from your hand. Um, use your remaining cards to pass judgment upon your followers. The broken saints, yes. the loyal apostles, the traitorous heretics. So, I think first of all, um, Vayu is... Con you know, considered by some a villain, considered by other a hero, but to all, Vayu is, you know, a name known in history, and to be named Thera is like, you know, a very notable name to give your kid in mm -hmm. bird culture. There are, lots, there are lots of Theras born in the next couple hundred years. Yeah. Um, I think Ibar, after, you know, not nearly as long as he expected, finally does actually pass on to death because uh the honor guard realized that they cannot just kill him as a mortal mm -hmm. but they can still put whatever magic is keeping him alive to rest and they go out and do begin the work of ending the curse that afflicted that whole cult and then finally i need to pass judgment with my last card which is leviathan and I'm going to pass it in two very different ways on Simon and on Bilal. Do you want the happy one or the sad one first? Uh, let's take the sad one first so we can end on a happy note. Okay. So Simon, you know, came back to be a prophet of Conflagrio and, you know, spread the word and had people misinterpret his words constantly. And so after several years of doing that, you know, People still read the books that he wrote, but, you know, those books are now very, very old and have been translated and mistranslated again and again. Mm -hmm. Simon took on a different name after several years because the day after he climbed out of the mountain and woke up, sitting at the side of his bed was that same sword. And he ignored it and left. And then wherever he slept the next morning, wherever he woke up, would be that sword, taunting him. And he ignored it for years as he went on doing his good deeds, but then as he saw the world falling into chaos and people going and becoming bandits and thieves and betrayers, he thought that it was time to bring his own justice because clearly the honor guard and regular people were not able to do it. And, you know, he was just a scholar, just a man. He didn't have the means to do this justice properly, not without the sword. And so he took it up and he took up a name and I need to Google real quick. Do you know any good like sewing names? Mm. Because he was put together with thread. So that actually works brilliantly. Yeah. Because the people we've seen in this group before were named um, Notion, um, and this is the group of the, let's see. The, this is the Cursed the Source, cursor, the group. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of something perhaps building, building off all. 
Uh-huh. Which is, of course, a small pointed tool used <laughs> to make holes. Yeah. I think... I like that, yeah. So perhaps he's now Aller, or the Aller. Well, no, he just calls himself All. Okay. And he's very explicit that it's spelled A-W-L. Yes. <laughs> and he takes up the sword. He takes up a cloak with a distinctive high collar. Um, he wears the collar so high because down the back of his neck are the are still those stitches of that thread. Mm -hmm. And he finds a few followers and they go and start to do good in their way, which is often very, very different than the good that the honor guard or other people who follow the rules of magic would ever follow. Mm -hmm. And thus was <laughs> the band of the Cursed Sword born. That was the sad ending? Uh, the Cursed Sword are definitely villains a lot of the time. You know, they're not necessarily good. Yeah, They're but... not necessarily bad. If this was the 90s, he would just be a badass anti-hero. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe with our modern sensibilities, we could say maybe this is not great and we've created a villain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I don't know, the 90s would love this. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and meanwhile, Bilal, yeah, goes out and also becomes a massive force and a massive force of good and healing. For they were filled with the power to heal. Mm -hmm. And um, I think they have the power to change their form again, but they mostly keep the form that they had because they have been, you know, very, very changed from their origins as a tiger. Mm -hmm. And they go out and they go do good humanitarian work. Um, and, and that's also probably how they're best known. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, the, uh, the almost, almost human, almost tiger draped in the humble robe of a healer mm -hmm. and i think they kind of start like an order of other people who study magic only to go and heal and to prevent harm done by those others who use magic who don't think about the consequences and i don't know how happy conflagrio is with that because conflagrio is like i gave you the power to create new things but you're just maintaining what is here Right. But what's given cannot be taken back.